Did you know that many white people think that reverse racism is actually a bigger problem than regular old racism? Now, technically, parts of reverse racism could have better equity for others. But the problem with reverse racism is even if you could pull it off, no equity can exist in the face of oppression or having oppression present. So we need to understand this idea. Today's podcast is on understanding and learning on how to talk about reverse racism. Today, we will talk about what is this notion of reverse racism? What are key definitions that we need to know to understand this idea of reverse racism? And how can we help people understand this concept of reverse racism how can we talk about it with others? So first off, welcome back to the podcast. We are going to be attempting a different ordering of material for the podcast. So we are going to start right into the content you came here for. And then we're going to talk about our activism, our self-care, and more community stuff closer towards the end of the podcast. So what's the first thing you need to know about reverse racism? Well, the first thing we need to know is what is this notion of reverse racism? Reverse racism is a, con is a concept that portrays affirmative action in the United States and similar color-conscious programs as a form of anti-white racism on the part of black people as well as government agencies. It is commonly associated with the conservative opposition to such programs. The concept has been used to characterize various expressions of hostility or indifference towards white people by members of minority groups. Now, it's important to note that empirical studies have found little, little evidence for the existence of reverse racism. Racial and ethnic minorities in the United States generally lack the power to damage the interest of whites who remain the dominant or power group. Claims of reverse racism tend to ignore that such disparities exist in this exercise of power and authority, which scholars constitute as an essential part of what racism is, as well as how racism works. While the debate over reverse racism tends to focus on the United States, the concept has been used internationally to some extent wherever right, white supremacy has been diminished, such as post-apartheid South Africa. Allegations of reverse racism, therefore, form part of a racial backlash against gains by non-whites. It's kind of where it comes from. Really, it's not reverse racism. It's a way to push back on the gains against white supremacy in certain spaces and places. In layperson's terms, it is the idea that a dominant group can be sublimated by groups who are subverted in power in a society situationally. 
Most often, the excuse is that affirmative action programs have gotten to the point where a more qualified white person will lose a job or access to a college or university or a program to a member of a disempowered minority group. It can also be ascribed to comparing times of old to times of now and what is considered in vogue. This notion is alluded to in the movie Get Out, where white partygoers talk about that it is so much more cool to be black than it is to be white in today's society. So again, we're looking at claims of reverse racism coming from people who feel that because white supremacy isn't so prevalent in today's society, that this means that there is a reverse racism. It's not so much that there is reverse racism as there has been gains made against the notion or power structure of white supremacy in the United States. And that's kind of what people are attempting to push back on. Also, when you're looking at what's in vogue, you can't really look to the exception. You have to look at the majority and where it exists everywhere, not just in pop culture or on movies or on music videos specifically. So that moves us on to our second topic. What are key definitions that we need to know to understand or expound upon our understanding of this idea of what is reverse racism and how could that potentially work? So the first thing that we need to understand is the idea of discrimination. Discrimination is the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Now it's important to note that discrimination, right? The unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter who or what is going on. People can still experience discrimination no matter what. Doesn't matter who's in power. Doesn't matter who's not in power. Anyone can experience discrimination. Now, the next definition that we need to start to understand is the idea of what is racism. Racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. It's the favoring of one race over other races. So again, going over it one more time, prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one race is superior. And it's the favoring of one race over other races. Now we got to go on to the next level and really look about racism and how it works beyond person to person. This is where things get complicated. And this was where the idea of semantics or the meaning of words really comes into play into our understanding of reverse racism. Next, we're going to understand the idea of systemic racism. This was developed by sociologist Joe Finnegan. Systemic racism is a popular way of explaining within the social sciences and humanities the significance of race and racism both historically and in today's world. Fiegan describes the concept and the realities attached to it in his well-researched and very readable book, Racist America, Roots, Current Realities, and Future Reparations. In it, Fiegan 
uses historical evidence and demographic statistics to cons to create a theory that asserts that the United States was founded on racism since the Constitution classified black people as the property of whites. Joe illustrates that the legal recognition of racial racialized slavery is the cornerstone of a racist social system in which resources and rights were and are unjustly given to white people and are also unjustly denied to people of color. The theory of systemic racism accounts for individual, institutional, and structural forms of racism. The development of this theory was influenced by other scholars of race, including Frederick Douglass, W.E.B. Du Bois, Oliver Cox, Anna Julia Cooper, Kwame Truet, Franz Fanon, and Patricia Hill Collins, amongst others. It's important to note that Finnegan describes systemic racism in an introduction in the book, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that and what it looks like and how it works. Systemic racism includes the complex array of anti-black practices, the unjustly gained political and economic power of rights, and the continuing economic and other resource inequalities along racial lines, and the white racist ideologues and attitudes created which maintain and rationalize white privilege as well as white power. Systemic here means that the core racist realities are manifest in each of society's major parts. Each major part of U.S. society, the economy, politics, education, religion, the family, all of these reflect the fundamental reality of systemic racism. When systemics are taken into account, there can be no concept which allows for the notion of reverse racism. Now, there can be white discrimination, and I think that's what white people are talking about when they're talking about reverse racism. So white discrimination can exist, and this would be the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people or things, especially based on the grounds of race, age, or sex. This discrimination against white people does happen to white people for certain. So there's been times where Michelle, my partner, has been the recipient of white discrimination. People will say, you don't understand our plight, or they'll say, you can't possibly know what it's like, or you'll never understand what it means to be a person of color in America. Or they'll say, no matter how much you read or learn about things, we'll always know more than you can, right, uh, about uh, race. So uh, Michelle, especially being in spaces and places primarily of people of color, do, does experience white discrimination from time to time. My friend Dr. Whitaker's wife, Cassandra Whitaker, has experienced white discrimination because people don't think a black man should be with a white woman, right? So she'll experience discrimination simply because she's white, not because she's an amazing person or a wonderful partner to Dr. Whitaker. So white discrimination does happen. And that's what people are probably trying to talk about from time to time when they're talking about reverse racism. Because white people can be discriminated against 
or what they're talking about when they're talking about reverse racism is a loss of the pervasiveness of white supremacy and what white supremacy used to get and give you. Now, if we're going to look at the idea of really reversing racism, let's let's kind of like understand that, right? Um, but we'll get to that a little bit more in a minute. So according to the way words and language work, there is no evidence of reverse racism because with reverse racism, you'd have to have a group other than white people clearly be the favored race or group in America. So BET is not enough evidence that black people are the favored group in America right if friends were mostly black people if uh, your most popular tv shows if all the avengers were black if um, rom-coms were basically of black people normalizing blackness um, then it, that's what it would look like to have black people on top of society if most of government was filled with black people right if 80 percent of our government was run by black folks or if most ceos were black like that's what it would look like if black people were the favored group those would be signs that black would be that favored group and when you look at the global effect of colonization i am not certain it would be possible to have a space that doesn't favor white people the only place that maybe could exist that doesn't favor white people could be japan or perhaps some remote areas in China specifically. But pretty much anywhere you go in the world, colorism exists and colorism always favored light, lighter skinnedness. Uh, that's the effects of colonization and that's why racism is such a widespread phenomenon specifically. So last thing for the major points of the podcast today, we're gonna look at can you actually reverse racism? Now, I don't think so, but let's play it out so you can get a sense of what it would look like. Since racism favors one race over another, what would reverse racism look like in America? Well, it would have to be the favoring of all races over white people and the intentional prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone who is white over anyone who is anything non-white. Can you imagine what an anti-white world would even look like? Could you imagine white people getting the police called on them because they were they didn't order fast enough in Starbucks? Or could you imagine people calling the police because a white person was loitering around a parking lot? Yeah, there's a white person that's outside in my neighborhood and they're looking around and they're doing something suspicious. There's a suspicious white person or this white person's here and they're making me nervous. It's hard to really see what reverse racism would look like when you focus it on whiteness specifically. It can also be helpful to understand the concept of reverse racism and trying to use the language of other isms to see how hard it would be to really reverse that ism in, in particular. So, for example, if you're trying to help someone understand how ridiculous the notion of reverse racism is, say, could you imagine reverse sexism? Like reverse sexism against men, where women or anything but men were favored specifically in any space, which I think you could actually hear some kickback on. 
Um, I don't think it's valid, but I think there's plenty of men that think that, uh, again, right, if, when you're looking at the loss of the benefits of what patriar patriarchy has done, I think people can feel like there is a thing of reverse sexism, but it's not reverse sexism. It's basically just a loss of all the benefits that the patriarchy has had, given the gains that uh, sexism has helped us understand. And sexism has been good for all genders. I know uh, understanding sexism has made me a better man, which I really appreciate. Uh, another way you can help describe the issue of things is reverse ageism. So imagine we started really favoring teenagers all of a sudden, or if we really started like catering to old folks in retirement communities where they really got to say like how things worked. Or another one that seems just ridiculous, reverse classism. Imagine like we started favoring poor people, like in poor people got all the breaks we started building a system that favored poor people, that all the benefits came to poor people. Think of what it would look, what it would have to look like if we actually reversed sexual orientationism. Like what would it look like to have favored gayness over straightness? See, that's where you can help people see that it doesn't make a lot of sense to reverse something that big. Those concepts really show like that it's impossible that you would, you would have to upset the entire system and turn it upside down topsy-turvy. Now, the other reason why we need to understand this is because according to Paulo Freire with the Pedagogy of the Oppressed, this would not be a favorable system either. We cannot simply flip oppressors. That will not do. And honestly, I think that is the great fear inherent in concerns over reverse racism or potentially over concerns over reverse sexism. Equity would and will cost something. People will have to be willing to give up their unearned privileges that give them an unfair advantage over other people. And that is not going to be an easy process. We can get really comfortable with our privilege. And speaking as a male, I can tell you, I'm all too comfortable with my male privilege. I sit back with it too often and I don't speak out for women enough. It's really simple and very easy to get comfortable and lost in the benefits of our own privilege. And like I have stated many times before, the loss of privilege can feel like oppression to those that are, learn that are losing that unearned privilege. But it also comes with the truth and reality that people would no longer also be oppressed as well. And there is great pain and cost baked into the systemic racism that we accept on a day-to-day -day basis over and over again all the time. Poverty is part of systemic racism. Mass incarceration is part of systemic racism. The great cost of imprisoning so many people, which creates a systemic need for welfare, is caused by systemic racism. We have no idea the liberation that we could create with the elimination of oppression. Think about if there was no oppression, no poverty, no hunger. There's no need for people to do crime. And with no need to do crime, there's no need for imprisonment. There's little to no unemployment, and the unemployment that's there 
is by people that can't work anyway. Because we would understand that all human beings have a role and they have a need to contribute to something in society. We could actually have and experience peace in a world without oppression. This is a possibility, but we have to learn how to unravel the thinking of others who only know and understand the world and the way that they've seen it. So next time someone wants to tell you about their experience of reverse racism, you can speak about this subject with greater authority. You can help people understand that it's impossible to reverse this. You'd have to benefit everybody over white people, and I just don't see evidence of that thing happening. Or maybe what they're experiencing is just the loss of effects of what white supremacy has meant. You're going to have to give up white supremacy to create true equity. And helping people understand that's really important. So moving on. Uh, as far as the podcast goes, we've been up to some very interesting new things. We have a social media liaison now. You may have noticed that the podcast now has a Facebook page. An Instagram page, it's inclusive activism on Instagram. I don't know how to post to it yet, but our social media liaison knows how to do it. We also have a new Twitter account for inclusive activism as well. With all these things, we are getting more and more ways for you to reach out, to connect, and to work with us, and to be part of the, a, a dynamic community with us as our listeners. Please remember, you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net, I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net, or leave me a voicemail or text me on the hotline 860 576 9393. Again, you can get a hold of the Inclusive Activism Podcast by leaving a voicemail or texting us at 860-576-9393, and I would love to hear your thoughts. And here is the thought that we'd heard from Brady Newman. So this is what Brady had to share. Hey, Rowdy, this is pretty random, but I wanted to reach out and let you know that I am a big fan of your podcast. It's basically like taking the LDR, like our Emerging Leaders and Diversity Incorporated lessons on the go. It's definitely been a worthwhile experience since I've had classes taught by you. So it's nice to have some of your lectures posted in a podcast form. It's making me a better person as well as a better leader. Thank you so much and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Brady. Thank you for reaching out and getting a hold of us. Uh, that was a Facebook message that came in uh, through obviously Facebook to let us know about the power of the Inclusive Activism Podcast and what that stuff is doing for you. So remember, if you want to help others experience the power of inclusive activism, remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitchers. And if you could please share podcasts that mean a lot to you on your social media, all these things can go a long, long way in making a significant difference for us here at the Inclusive Activism Podcast. Please also remember to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Casts, or Google Play as these are great ways for me to show proof of work to our potential sponsors. And it would also go a long way to getting my producer, Sarah, paid someday. 
So as far as me checking in on my activism, I have been doing COM 101 and doing the diversity, inclusion, and equity programs at PVCC currently, and that's been really wonderful. I got to speak at a budget, a city budget hearing, trying to get dollars moved from policing to actual piecing and creating more active peace in our community. We did a healing racism series on what is the difference between free speech and hate speech. Real quick plug there. The difference is, well, they're both free speech, but with hate speech, we have a responsibility to respond to hate speech and talk about what the effects of what hate speech are whenever we hear hate speech as inclusive activists. I finally got to meet with my Anytown curriculum board, which was the first time I got to do that all year, which I really appreciate. I got to go to Law Day and learn more about Fred Korematsu and the effects of the Japanese internment camps. I completed the Emerging Leaders 2 class, which teaches about kinging and nonviolent conflict reconciliation, and I got to hear the expert panel give some amazing answers to really difficult questions about how to think about and do nonviolence specifically. I also had the folks from Native Nation over, and we got to talk about the project that's happening with ASU Gamage. So that's an interesting little teaser about one of the new podcasts that will be coming out, and it's uh, about how to help people understand the idea of indigeneity or nativeness in primarily white spaces, because uh, nativeness happens here in Phoenix, Arizona. And so I think it's going to be a fantastic project, and be on the lookout in the next couple weeks for the Native Nation Project podcast coming out in the very near future. Now, as far as self-care, uh, I have been only able to lift like three or four times a week the last couple weeks, and sadly that has been a source of serious frustration. I've been very, very busy at work or not able to structure my time in a space where I've been able to get my lifting in. Uh, this week, I think I was back to four, so that was great. Now, sadly, my cardio has failed hard. I only had cardio done once this week before, and I hadn't done any cardio this week in particular. Uh, I have been able to meditate at least three times a week for at least 10 to 15 minutes, and I'm going to need to try to get another day or time in in the very near future for my self-care because that's very important for me as well. I've been getting my supplements in pretty regularly, so as far as feeling fueled up or ready or um, having the proper nutrition, uh, I know that's been good. We've been eating a lot better. My mother's been staying with me recently. And so we've been eating a lot more organic food, a lot more green and a lot more brightly colored food, which is a really, really big deal. I'm actually feeling the results of that and that things are a little bit more clear or I'm sleeping a little bit more deeply. So I'm really happy to see that I'm getting some benefits from cleaning up my diet a bit. Training Tank has been going well, but the fact that it has been so warm has made it hard to get him around other dogs because um, Tank training is people training, and so when we, train tra when we train Tank, I am learning how to be a better person and give him what he needs so I can create a space that's best for him. So training Tank is teaching me how to be more inclusive for my pets. I do need to get a little bit more and better rest though, so that is an area where my self-care is flailing a bit. And lastly, the recommendation of the podcast for you all here. What I am currently reading is Own the Day, Own Your Life by Mark Aubrey Marcus or Marcus Aubrey. I'm not sure, but he's yeah, Aubrey Marcus. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Onnit, the mega lifestyle brand that is one of the fastest growing companies in our country. Teaches us how that we can for one single day 
choose positive choices which can lead to a lifetime of concrete strategies for better living, optimal performance, a stronger mind, a stronger body, and a stronger spirit. Human optimization thought leader Aubrey Marcus's personal and professional mission rests on a single question. How can we get the most of our, out of our body and mind on a daily basis? Marcus answers that question in Own the Day, Own Your Life, an empowering handbook that guides readers to optimize every moment of our day, from waking in the morning, through work and play, until bedtime each night. With these small, actionable changes implemented throughout the course of one day, you will feel better, perform more efficiently, and live a happier life. And these daily habits then turn into weekly routines, ultimately becoming part of lifelong healthy choices. From workouts, to diet, to inbox triage, mindfulness, shower temperature, and sex, this groundbreaking manual provides simple strategies for each element of your day, drawing from the latest studies and traditional practices from around the world. Own the Day, Own Your Life delivers an optimization philosophy, including cutting-edge life-hacking tips, nutritional expertise, and brain upgrades, as well as fitness regimens. So I'm going to let you know about something that I don't know how to actionize yet. So I am looking at creating some giveaways for promoting the podcast. So I've purchased both The Book of Joy as well as Own the Day, Own Your Life. And I am going to sign those books and look at giving a giveaway for people that promote the podcast. Now, don't start doing that yet because I don't have the parameters of how and what this will look like in the near future. But I want to start sharing those things that have made me a dynamic me with the rest of you all. And uh, for me, Own the Day, Own Your Life is a must-have, choose-your-own-adventure guide for the everyday person, packed with pragmatic and effective strategies that can empower you to enjoy your life, take charge of your health, and own your day. Uh, So be on the lookout for me trying to find ways to share the thinking and thoughts and thought leaders that helped to shape the person that I am and that is giving me the information to make a difference for you. So last thing that I want to leave you with were the major review points of this podcast. What we talked about in this podcast is what is the nature of reverse reverse racism? The definitions that we need to know so we can talk about reverse racism. Remember, when we talk about racism, it systemically benefits one race above all others. So there's no way to reverse the systemic racism because how can you create a system that would value native people all over all over all other people or how can you create a system that would favor hispanics all over all other people or specifically we're going to talk about reverse racism reverse racism how could we sublimate white people to the benefit of all others it wouldn't make sense and it's not a possibility we also talked about what reverse racism would look like if it were a possibility And we also talked about according to the pedagogy of the oppressed. That is not the goal. We are not attempting to reverse racism. We are attempting to create equity. And that is the thrust of our mission as inclusive activists. So lastly, if this made you think something, if you have a question or if you have a shocking critique, please, please call in and let me know. You can call me at 860-576-9393. You can also text me at 860 
576-9393. That's a way for us to have a dynamic back and forth dialogue and create a community here of people that are trying to understand how to create true equity and inclusivity for all people while in the process becoming better people and becoming our best selves. So this space will be a place for you to ask me questions, to give me some different scenarios that you're thinking about, or how that you could react to situations or scenarios in real time. And depending how good your stuff is, I might give it my first take response and just kind of talk about it in a moment. Or if it's really good and I feel like there's a big need there, it might be a future podcast. And as always, if you're interested in booking me and bringing the power of inclusive activism to your organization, you can do so at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Or you can learn more about me and this organization at www.inclusiveactivism.com. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope this has been valuable. I can't wait to talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.